Amen. Oh, give them, thank you so much. Our group of international students, I think this is the first time you guys have led chapel, right? So thank you. Can you thank them one more time? Amazing. I love it. Well, happy Friday, Hope College. It is officially sweater weather outside. I love, yes, yes. <laughs> I love this cozy winter weather, and even though it's early November, I guess we can talk about it again in May and see if we still like it then. If you're visiting Hope College, yes, this is a beautiful campus. Woo! Yes, welcome. My name is Jill, I'm one of the chaplains here, and we are so honored to have you. And we, um, as Trig often says, he says, choose a people. And when you look around, there are some amazing people here at Hope College, and we seek to, one of the things we seek to do in this space is to follow Jesus. And so um, I'd like to think about, you know, even though it's wintry and cold, one thing that you might not agree on that weather, but I think we could agree on the beauty of the sky lately. Um, the sunsets and the sunrises have been just amazing. They've been so, so beautiful. And uh, if you're up for sunrise, maybe some of you are, maybe some of you aren't. But I had this brilliant high school teacher who used to say, uh, on the very first day of class, he'd wa we'd walk in and everybody sat down, and he'd say, what did the sky look like? on the way in today. What did the sky look like? And people would look around and nobody would have really an answer. And the next day, he would ask the same question. He'd say, what did the sky look like today? And maybe a few people had an answer that day, but not many. Not many of us had figured it out. Time after time, day after day, this teacher would ask the same question. What did the sky look like today on your way in? After a while, we got the point and we had an answer. And the point was to look up to actually see the sky, to look up from whatever was distracting us or pulling our eyes down. And I believe that here in this space in chapel, this is our time to take a moment and look up. And that's what we get to do when we look at God's word. I believe that we look up and we start to see the signs of Jesus and where he is pointing us. And so that is where we have been. We've been in the Gospel of John, we've been walking through, and today we, we've been hitting some passages that record the miracles of Jesus, which John calls the signs of Jesus. And so this is just, again, a moment where Jesus is revealing something about himself, and we need to look up and see. So um, in, you may open on your phone or in the Pew Bibles, the, the passage today is from John 5, verses one through 18. Listen to the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, so while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. On the day which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to this man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. 
But he replied, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning before something worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus had been doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always working to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So verse three, it tells us that a great number of disabled people have gathered and they're lying here at the pool of Bethesda. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Jesus is walking by and he sees this man. In verse five, he knows that the man has been laying there for 38 years and he knows he's been in this condition or that, that he's been in the condition for 38 years and he's there. And he asks him this question and it is an unusual question, I think. It's kind of an uncomfortable, kind of almost a weird question. He says, do you want to get well? What? Jesus, you see the man. He's lying here. He's with all these people hoping to, there's this rumor that if you get in the pool first, you'll get healed. So it seems like a ridiculous question. And yet, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't ask ridiculous questions. Jesus is the master of questions. In fact, he asks questions that expose our hearts. And he asks questions for our own benefit so we look at our own hearts and see what's up. We start to have to see, do I wanna be well? We start to ask this hard question and actually this is a fundamental question that I believe every single one of us has to answer today. Do you want to be well? So the simple answer, it seems like a simple yes or no question, and the man doesn't answer a simple yes or no. In verse seven, he says, sir, no one helps me to the pool when the water is stirred. I try to get down there and someone else always beats me. It seems like maybe an excuse or a reason. Why does he answer this way? We're not told, but it makes me wonder if it's coming from a place of feeling stuck, of feeling like, he has tried and he hasn't been able to make it. And then, because it's been so long, it's just familiar to stay there. Sometimes, even if it's not a good thing, a, a, it's a bad, uncomfortable place, but it's become familiar. So even in debilitating pain and frustration and difficulty, it's something he knows. It's familiar and it has come to define him. Even if the current situation is not good, Change can make us feel uncomfortable. So maybe that was it. Or maybe it was shame. Or maybe it was that he feels he had failed. Or he's in the state of defeat. Or just stuck. No matter what the explanation is, we can tell that the question Jesus asked him makes him uncomfortable. Jesus does that. He's the master of questions. And sometimes he asks questions that make me feel uncomfortable too. He asks questions of me that exposes places of my heart that are broken and paralyzed and wounded. 
And then Jesus says, he steps into the need, he steps into the brokenness, and he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man's cured, he picks up his mat and walk, and he's cured, and life, astonishing life, is brought into his body, and Jesus, we can see that at a very word, he can change our lives, and that he is God. And he says, take up your mat. Why take up your mat? I think... Jesus might be saying, make no provisions for a relapse. The man may have thought, if I leave my mat there, if I leave my bed in this place, if this stuff starts to wear off tomorrow, I can come back. And I can be on my mat where I'm comfortable. If this thing that Jesus is doing starts to not be so great, I can return. And Jesus may know that. He may know that the guy would be that back there the very next day, and he's saying, don't allow it. Don't leave your mat. Pick it up. So then in verse 14, Jesus finds him. He finds him at the temple. And this is what Jesus does. He finds people in need. He goes to them and he says this, see you are well, now stop sinning. Now stop sinning so something worse does not happen to you. And I hear it like this, you gave me what you thought was your problem. You gave me what you thought you wanted me to change. But I'm here to tell you what you really need to do to be well is to walk with me, to step away from sin and come with me. And notice the order, please notice the order. Stop sinning comes after the cure. Grace is always first. Jesus heals and then we can walk in his power and his presence. Jesus is the one that breaks through the paralyzing hopelessness and gives life-giving power. So what is your mat of hopelessness? What are you tempted to return to? Maybe it's your comfort zone. That matters whatever is making your present bad situation comfortable. That matters whatever you've been using as an excuse. That matters whatever has you changed down. That mat is hurtful labels, impossible expectations, feeling stuck. It's the guilt and the shame of past sins. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He's saying, he's not saying, get up from that mat and run a marathon in world record time. He's just saying, get up and take one step. Take one step away from sin and toward me. And now another, and now another. Follow the road signs, look up. He may be asking you today, do you give me permission to take away the thing that is hurting you? This is not the false gospel of trying harder. Try harder, do more, be better. This is the real good news that Jesus, when you surrender to him, there is freedom and there is life and there is power to be different and well. So Jesus asks, do you want to be well? Go in that grace, amen.